It's Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Very good day. Welcome, everybody. It's Europe Calling with Terry and Vince. And our date is the 19th of October, 2023. I detect a little bit of a change in our weather. We've got uh, wind. It is a bit cooler. And uh, I think we forecast that the ferries from Denier across to Ibiza will actually not be running at the next couple of days. I'm not sure about that. Uh, we'll need to be checked, but that's the information that I was given. Anyway, I'm going to travel west of where I am and around about three quarters of an hour, sensible driving away, I should find Terry Whitehead. A very good afternoon to you, Terry. Is there a change in your weather? Bloody freezing. No, it's not. It's, uh, it's, yeah, that's changed dramatically. The temperatures was 28 degrees, whatever, yesterday. And uh, it was quite nice this morning, but a bit fresh. But it's gone really cloudy tonight, and there's a wind. And I'm about to shut the door because it's getting a bit cool. Yeah. Yes, I, I do detect something, but of course, um, nothing can take us away from the dangers and the horrible situation in Israel at the moment. And obviously our thoughts and prayers are with everybody that's suffering. And no matter what side of the equation you're on, um, that's something that I think we should preface what we do. And um, in fact, on October the 9th, which is quite a while ago now, um, after the Hamas-related incident, uh, the ministry in Spain confirmed that security was being enhanced at sensitive sites within Spain. Madrid's government uh, delegate, Francisco Martin, highlighted that the increased security enveloped the Israeli embassy situated on Velasquez Street in Madrid, as well as synagogues, um, worship areas and Jewish centres. Now, uh, the ministry went on to emphasise that being at an alert level of four out of five already necessitates um, rigorous procedures to bolster security mechanisms and the capabilities of surveillance and control by all participating agencies. The ministry went on to explain that these measured in uh, involve, among other factors, certain special units are activated, protection apparatuses are enhanced, uh, surveillance initiatives on crucial infrastructure are amplified, cyber monitoring actions are coordinated, and regular reviews are conducted on all these protocols. Anti-terrorism safeguards will be put into action. They'll be in action now without uh, delay. It was when this was written. The Ministry of the Interior clarified that these precautions would be communicated by the Secretary of State for the uh, state security forces and bodies to the regional government representatives and to the Interior or security departments of autonomous regions possessing their police forces for immediate uh, implementation. So during the meeting that was uh, the day before this was written, participants included the Minister, Secretary of State for Security, Rafael Perez Ruiz, the General Director of Coordination and Studies, Jose Antonio Rodriguez, representatives from, from various national security bodies, 
Each representatives from these entities presented their assessment of Spain's prevailing security situation. The Terrorist Threat Assessment Table, a provision of the Anti-Terrorism Prevention and Protection Plan, convenes weekly when at level four, ensuring that all security areas are thoroughly evaluated. This specific meeting occurred just after the incident in Brussels where the Belgian police shot dead an attacker resulting in two casualties from Sweden and another severely injured individual just before a football match um, between Belgium and Sweden during the week. The depth to the problems that have ensued re- on, uh, since this all began really intensifies uh, almost daily and um, you know when you actually look at what the news is telling us today about um, the fact that they're saying now that the Hamas weaponry that was used in the initial starting of this uh, crisis um, was procured through through North Korea now, they're saying. This is something that I only read today. I wonder whether or not you'd seen that and also what you think of that security protocol as identified in one of the papers. Well, uh, sadly, in this world, there are people who will jump on any bandwagon to have a good row in the streets and have a protest, as we've seen in the, in London. Um, you won't get so much of it in Spain. The police uh, are not as tolerant at all. And um, I think that will come down on any sort of protest, people hijacking any sort of peaceful protest, that will come down very heavily on them. They don't mess about in this country, which I'm very pleased to report. Um, so I think from that point of view, from from policing point of view, we're pretty safe. Uh, Spain is no stranger to extremism and uh, there were the Madrid bombings uh, many years ago that uh, that devastated two railway stations and it was a shocking uh, slaughter yeah um, but they 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 pursued the uh, they pursued the, the, the terrorists that did it and they died um, that's the good news then the sad news here yeah what is going on uh, in Israel, it's it's a permanent battle. It's it's obviously escalated, and the amount of escalation with the terrorist Hamas firing in the first day five thousand missiles into Israel. A, where the hell do you get five thousand missiles from? B, how do you hide the facts? C, what the hell happened to Israeli security? But Hamas by sending in five thousand missiles are only doing one thing they are creating what they hope will be a world conflict in the area and that will bring in lebanon uh, egypt uh, and iran and other allied uh, countries with a similar um, pursuit of, of destroying israel and that's what they're after, that's what i believe they have they were after doing luckily the israelis have held up on on the military invasion of the Gaza Strip, yeah, they've been blowing things up, but there's no military invasion of the Gaza Strip yet. And hopefully that will be enough to uh, stop this escalating anymore. But I don't know, these, these people are intense on the escalating. Um, the, 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 the explosion at the, the hospital in Gaza yesterday, 
this has been proven to be from a uh, a, a missile fired just a mile away from uh, from the hospital direction towards Israel that misfired and collapsed in the uh, onto the hospital itself which Israel have been saying the whole hospital itself is uh, um, really a, a headquarters for the Hamas organization etc because they do like to hide being cowards that they are they like to hide behind innocent people but um, it, this has got. To, there's, there's only one way this is going to go unless it stops now. So hopefully, cooler minds will be able to uh, call on this and resolve it. Hamas have to, have to go, and it's the people of Palestine that have to make it happen. They voted them in. We, we all vote people in, but once people are in or parties are in, you've no control over what happens after that until you get to the next elections. Well, since they were voted in, was it 2006 or 2009? Mm. There haven't been any elections, for the reason being they realised they'd be voted out again. So if you're a dictator, which they are, they've got carte blanche to do what they like they want, which they do, which also means they can cross the border into Israel and, and slaughter in the most abominable manner um, to create this situation that I've described before. So hopefully it's the people of Palestine that need to make this change and get rid of the Hamas, who are as much a terrorist to them as they are to the Israeli nation. So that needs to be, they need to be helped to get rid of them. Not going to be easy. They've all been brainwashed. Uh, the, the population has been brainwashed for many years, as can be seen on the streets of, of Europe in the, with the protests in the streets, you know, everybody waving the Palestine flag most of those waving the flag haven't got a clue where it is. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 historically <laughs> historically always been a problem. The whole area has always been a problem from from back from before Christ. It's never really been a Muslim area. It's it's the Ottoman Empire were there for what three hundred years, four hundred years, until uh, the um, after the First World War, the British took it over. So. Where's the historical claim other than the Turks have probably got a historical claim on it? I don't think anybody else has. Moses might have a claim on it. So it's all a bit strange. It's all messy. And cool heads have got to uh, get together now and uh, and resolve this. But I do believe that the resolution lies within Palestine, with the people of Palestine yeah. and the people and the countries around it which are supporting Palestine. Egypt seems to be taking a cool stance, thank God. Saudi Arabia uh, was opening, uh, well, they had talks. They were, they were hoping to, to sign uh, an agreement between Saudi and, and, uh, and Israel just before, just before this, uh, or just after this uh, explosion first started, the 5,000 missiles went over. So the, the, the Palestinians were, were hell-bent on stopping that happening that uh, an Arab country should have uh, recognised relations, the state of Israel. They were hell-bent on that happening, of stopping that. And hopefully that won't get stopped. Hopefully that will carry on. Iran, which you haven't mentioned, uh, is obviously a big player in this. You mentioned North Korea yeah. sending the missiles in. Whatever. I wouldn't surprise me in the least. Um, but um, what the hell have North Korea got against Israel, anyway? The... The fact that, to me, the more troubling fact in this is 
how did somebody amass 5,000 missiles? Just, just one is going to be difficult to hide. 5,000 missiles are not exactly small um, without the Israeli intelligence knowing. The worry that I've got is they didn't know and that the Israeli intelligence let this happen. That's my worry. My worry is that they let it happen to, to create the very thing that Hamas wanted. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. I mean, Biden went over there, got his... Uh, but basically nobody wanted to talk to him, so he turned around and came back again. So he didn't uh, do himself any favours over there. So we've just got to see what happens. And maybe Egypt will be a bigger player in this than we think. Yeah. Well, look... Um... I think you've really explained to our listeners very succinctly a lot of what they need to understand. For those of us that live in Spain, um, do you feel the protocols suffer at all with us not having a well a settled government at the moment? I mean, do you think uh, this is something... We haven't that... had a settled government for years, so I don't think, don't think that's, uh, that's going to make any difference. Obviously... Prime Minister Sanchez is more concerned about his political future than anything else at the minute. Um, he wants to keep power and uh, he's fighting a losing battle, really. Um, but um, but this, he's not been in control. He never has been in control. He's, he's been ahead of a coalition for the last four or five years. So I don't see any difference from today as to last year with the Spanish government and their, and their, and their input. On this, there, they, there is a big input to be made from Spain because an awful lot they do send a lot of uh, stuff, um, certainly to the Ukraine, and I presume to armaments, and I presume to Israel as well. I'm sure there's there's armaments manufactured in Spain that uh, Israel maybe likes to purchase. Yeah. So it's it, it's all I don't know. It's it, it's all cool heads, and, and I don't know. Obviously, it's not going to come from the USA, and hopefully, it won't come from uh, from Russia or China. Well, cool heads in the region, being ideally Egypt or where's the money? Saudi Arabia. If they can, uh, and, and money, money works. And they've got it. Saudi Arabia got the money. Hopefully they can uh, become, uh, that's their chance now, to become a, a world player. And I don't I don't think uh, Salman uh, MBS or Mohammed bin Salman it will miss an opportunity on this one. I think he'll, uh, he'll hopefully he'll make the most of it and get a result. Okay, Terry, I'll move to something different, which uh, follows next. It's Europe Calling with Vince Tracy and Terry Whitehead. Okay, Terry, this one is... Certainly of interest to anybody that lives in Spain, Seprona, the Guardia Civil's environmental department, has published a report which highlights the impact that environmental crimes have in 2023. Uh, the Guardia Civil initiated 374 criminal proceedings against violations concerning natural resources and the environment. Uh, this involves a staggering 325 individuals under scrutiny 
uh, with the majority being related to offences which caused damage to fauna and flora. Um, the uh, Guardia Civil noted all these violations, um, 3,415 regarding water and 138 uh, associated with atmospheric pollution Great crimes aimed at flora and fauna protection stands at 198 uh, and close to an 80% resolution rate, which is pretty good. Spain's rich national and natural heritage places it at the forefront of global landscape beauty, boasting unparalleled biodiversity in the European Union. Alongside the US, it leads in the number of UNESCO-designated biosphere reserves. And uh, we'll have a look at some of the recommendations that the Guardia Seville advise um, when I get your um, sort of reaction to the involvement. Because I have to say, I don't think many people will, re- will really understand just how heavily involved they are. What do, you, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's quite an amazing setup, really. You wouldn't think it. Uh, unless you lived here and saw it, you wouldn't think there would be an organisation... Um, as part of the Guardia Civil, the Guardia Civil being the the military um, policing unit in Spain, who generally police outside of cities. The cities and, and major towns are uh, policed by the Policía Nacional and the Policía Municipal, the national police and the municipal police. And outside of that area, i.e. the rest of Spain, which is probably 90% of it, is is policed by the Guardia Civil. And, but they have this separate arm uh, called Cifrona, which is a protection of, uh, of, like you said, of fauna and flora. And it is very, very, very strong. They are really, really keen on, on, on protecting wildlife uh, and, and the, 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 the areas that, the, the water areas that, that, that we live in, and like you said, and even with aerial pollution. They're, they're really, really very strong. And you wouldn't think that. you think, oh, I'll be like an office at the end of, a, at the end of, a, end of one of the... Uh, big complexes that they have that, that runs it. No, it's big. And you'll see many vehicles, Guadalajara vehicles on, on the road with Ciprona written on the outside, especially in the more rural areas. Mm-hmm. They're very keen. They're very protective, very strong, and they don't miss about. And I'm so pleased to hear where you said they have an 80% resolution rate. I think, once again, that proves that policing in Spain is, is pretty good. And um, the, they, they do get results, in other words. There's a, I'm trying to think, I've lost the name now. There's a huge area down south of Seville, the water area, la, 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 something, la, it's gone, um, which is causing a problem at the minute because the the local farmers want the water from this uh, this watered area, which is mainly marshes and rivers and, and wetlands. The farmers want the water, and, of course, the, 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 the people protecting, like Sebrona, is like, no, 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 this water's for the protection of the wildlife and... Uh, and, and, and natural beauty that we have. So there's an ongoing fight going on down there where literally the, the farms need water to grow the produce. And Soprano is saying you're not having it. So there is a bit of a battle going on down there and it just would be strange, or we'd be quite good actually to see how that one pans out because, again, uh, we've had very little rainwater and I'm looking out my window now and it's really quite cloudy and there's rain forecast for this weekend. Well, we need a lot of rain between now and next May, and hopefully yeah. it's going to fall and fall in the right places and in the right amounts to, to get us through yet another year. We don't have the, the benefits of being in the UK where if, if, you, if, if it doesn't rain for two weeks, you, you, you've got a housebike ban. 
In other words, it's raining virtually constantly in the UK. Uh, Where well, here it doesn't. Here we go many months without any rain. Well, very, uh, very and, strange. And it's amazing that we've actually got through each summer so far, to be honest with you. Very strangely, Terry, just as you're speaking, it started raining. So right right on cue, we're looking at the recommendations of Saprona. And uh, this might surprise some of our listeners uh, as I give you one, two, three, four, five, six bullet points here. Abandoning animals in an ecosystem that is not theirs represents a serious problem for native species. It will probably end up dying. And if it survives, it may end up becoming an invasive species. So um, I'm really quite surprised to see that that's an area where the Guardia Seville um, has been involved and will make sure that this is uh, monitored. Um, Goes to the second one. Before collecting any plant from an area, check on the Internet what type of species it is since some are protected. And even if they're not, you're taking away resources from other species. Now, for example, uh, we had a castor plant which just appeared in our garden. Um, You know, it it looked very impressive. It came up as quite a big tree. Uh, But when I pursued this on uh, Google to find out about what it was and find out it's one of the most toxic plants that you can get... Um, the reason why I was alerted was I'd walked not far from where I live and seen that this plant had been uh, burned, obviously, by the local workforce. And I thought, oh, that's definitely something I should be checking. Um, the other thing that you do see huge amounts of is pampas grass, which, um, you know, uh, I believe in Lanuthea, you're not allowed to plant. So um, those are two areas where I wondered at the time, you know, uh, would Lanuthea have a patrol? And it would appear that it's the Guardia Seville that would protect that. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, I've seen Saprona around here. Uh, I've seen them, uh, whether they're just passing through or whether they're on active service, shall we say. But it, 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 it really is strange when you think, you initially think of the Guardia Seville being a very tough um, paramilitary police organisation. Yeah. A huge, you know, a large part of it is this Soprona organisation, which is dedicated to looking after the fauna and flora of Spain, and and they are very, very strong. And that they, they are really, I'm, I'm full of praise for these people. I'm full of praise for the country that can do this. I, I mentioned it many times that I often go up to a, a village two and a half hours inland, just because there's no nobody lives there. There's about 50 people live there. It's lovely, peace and quiet, no shops, nothing. I'll just go there for a chill out over a weekend. I, I just love talking to the locals who live who live off the land there, because I learn so much. Because I know nothing about living off the land, mm-hmm. um, but they do, and you learn so much from them of, of how they they work with the land and what they know what to do and not what to do. Yeah, they know what not to plant and what to plant, uh, and when to plant it, obviously. But it, it, there is a, a massive amount of knowledge out there. And it must be nice for them to know that they're protected by somebody like the Seprona, who will protect them if there is any incursions on their properties or people planting stuff or digging stuff up that they shouldn't be doing or bringing in um, plants, etc., that uh, that shouldn't be brought in because it can change dramatically. Yeah. Um, the, the, the 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 makeup of the of the of the, of the flora of the of each area. Yeah. Um, just. 
uh, looking again at the things they're saying, as a general rule, young animals should not be taken. They may appear abandoned, but usually their parents will be nearby. Furthermore, it's very possible that you will later release them into an ecosystem that is not favourable to them. And if you do see an injured animal, contact the Guardia Civil. Uh, for the number in Spain, it's 062. And tell them its location. For this, the Alert Cops app could be very useful, uh, where your position can be known precisely through a chat. Um, they tell you that wherever you go, leave no trace of your visit. Remember that the most common things that we sometimes find lying in our path take forever to disappear. Furthermore, this type of uncivil or unsocial behaviour could pose a high risk of fire. And then they finish by saying when you go with your vehicle, always do so on authorised roads or trails. Likewise, avoid entering an area that is not clear of weeds. The temperature of the exhaust pipe or a spark could cause a fire. Um, I think it's good to see that sort of thing in print um, because it's some of that, I must admit, I'd be very surprised if any of the Brits living here would have ever, ever seen that, you know. No, quite often on the motorways in the summer. Uh, you know, you get the overhead, overhead gantries saying there's a, an accident ahead or slow or, or a speed limit restriction. Quite often they'll be uh, highlighting the fact with a, a, a sign that's got a bloke, you know, a graphic sign uh, saying that the bloke's throwing the fag out of, of his window. And they'll throw well that up another, and it will say, you know, do not do this. This is a danger of, uh, of, of extreme fire in the area because literally that. Literally, a cigarette thrown out the window will can, can wipe out a town yeah. very, very quickly. And touch wood, I'm just touching wood here now. This year, we've been really lucky in this area, whereas other years gone by, we've, we've had terrible fires. Yes. So this year, we've been, we've been quite lucky. Um, but we're not out of the fire season yet, and until we get a good downpour, I've got to keep touching wood. Yeah. Well, I know uh, when we had to drive up to France, I had to go up near Marseille, and uh, basically, we were uh, driving all the way from Spain, great roads, no problems whatsoever, get up to Marseille, and uh, there's all these signs on the motorway telling you that there was a fire up ahead and you were being diverted off the motorway, which, of course, uh, for people coming down from France and other countries coming the other way, um, the same applies, you know. So I sort of went into practice my French mode fairly quickly uh, when I wasn't expecting to have to do that when we went up to France but um, yeah I think that the, the, the Guardia Seville have got to be commended and uh, that's a good article that I think that I spotted in the paper really because yeah, you know I hope that yeah, it's uh, good because people we would never think that would you you would never think I mean I don't I can't think of I'm trying to think of an English one I'm, I'm no doubt there is um, but uh, it's, it's normally a, a couple of TV personalities who, who promote the idea of looking after the countryside in the UK. But uh, here, I'll say it is a massive organisation. Yeah. By, by the paramilitary, formed by the paramilitary police in Spain, who are dedicated to looking after the flora and fauna of the country. And thank God they do. Yeah, certainly most people who live here, you you really won't think of the Guardia Civil as being the people we have to thank for that. Um, no. Next, we've got a very, um, well, I think it's well written and should be right up your street. It's a business report, which I found interesting. So let's go to that.
Now, uh, this is um, from the Euro Weekly News, and I've got to say, I found this quite interesting. Uh, I hope you will as well as we go to, according to Alvarez and Marcel, Kasia Bank enjoyed a rentability of 3.2% per client by the end of this year's second quarter, ahead of BBVA, that's another bank of course, 3.1%, Santander, which I know is in the UK as well as uh, here in Spain, then other banks, Bank Inter, Unicaja, Ibacaja and Bancaja failed to make the 3% cut with respective ratios of between 2.8 and 2.5%, although the consultancy gave Sabadell 2.9%. So when we talk about a rentability, what does that mean to the average English uh, reader? Well, rentability is profit. You're talking about your profit of any business. The rentability is, is the profit. Of, of the of the percentage profit of oh. the business that you're running um and i'm surprised it's as low as that with some of those banks that you just mentioned because some of these banks are charging more more than a more like a wound, wounded rhino than anything else the um but they the, the spanish banking system has been under a cloud for many years there was a a disgraceful uh i won't mention the bank there was a disgraceful situation where the chairwoman of this bank uh, ended up being i think she was thrown in jail in the end but she uh, the, for the, the the corruption that was involved in in banks and i presume the other banks suddenly got a sniff of this and decided to clean up their acts um but there was an awful lot of corruption um, many years ago no not so many years ago maybe 10 or 12 years ago now i'm but getting old years it, fly by but it's it's uh, they uh, they've gone through hard times, of course. Everyone's been through hard times, but they, banks seem to always come out smelling of roses, don't they? It's very easy. If you if on hard times, just close a few branches, like they've done in England, try and find a bank. Well, but now I'm, I use the Banco Santander, and I, I found them very good. But they've closed a branch that I had in, in my village, and one of the branches I use in a village down south when I work, that's gone as well. And I've got to, yeah, anybody in that village down south that I'll go to, has got a what a 25 minute drive to find a Banco Santander bank, which is in the middle of a town, which is hard to park anywhere near it to go and visit it. So um, it's easy to make profits in these situations. You just close down branches and sack people. Well, if we look at the uh, the, the one that comes up smelling of most roses, Kaiser Bank, they're not paying any anything at all on anybody's account. So basically, you know, if you're just charging people for money and you're not paying anything for the money that people have given you and they're in the bank's, bank accounts, I don't think it's particularly uh, laudable. I don't really think that that's particularly clever business. Um, not not that obviously... Um, well, especially when, when the interest... What is it? I think in Europe it's 3.55%, I think, at the minute. Yeah. Uh, the bank rate. Uh, whereas in the UK it's what five point five is it I think, but it's um, it's it's three point five percent clean for them, and curious enough, I think the figures you mentioned about their rentability that was three point five percent. So if if you're if you're charging three point five percent on your money, and 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 not not paying anything out in interest, then um, Clear profit is the word you have to use. Obviously, there's massive uh, overheads in any banking system, but I do like to have. They don't like to pay out. So, like when you say they don't pay out interest, more for them because people will go looking 
where they can get some interest, but then again, there's very little interest on offer. So they tend people tend tend to leave the money in the bank because you know no one's saying oh come and with us and we'll give you ten percent. That's not happening. But of course, property is always the best. When in times when banks aren't giving out interest, property uh, is the beneficiary because people realise by investing in property, there's a net interest increase in value of their in investment year on year. Um, it, property can always go down, but it never goes down to zero. You never lose all your money. You can lose all your money in shares. Yeah. But you can't lose all your money in property. And we know it took a hit after the, the crash of, what, 2007, 2008. Property, I mean, my house, half its value. Lost half, even more. Lost more than half its value in reality. Because nobody was, was buying. So not that I'm, fact that I'm selling. But if I wanted to during those that period, I'd have to take a, take a hit myself on the price. But it's rising up. We're still rising very slowly. I mean, the property market's rising... Um, probably a similar rate, about one and a half to maybe two and a half percent year on year. It's it's still it is rising. So if you invest in it, there's two and a half percent you're going to get. Yeah. Leave your money in the bank, you're going to get zero. Absolutely. Okay, we're looking at uh, rates apprehension now. The business premises rates in the UK next uh, could rise by 1.95 billion. Um, that's uh, pounds, 2.25 billion euros next year. Increases are linked to the September inflation figure, traditionally used to determine the annual rates increase imposed by local councils on retailers, pubs and offices. Spokespeople foresaw that this year's 6.7% rise would be the final nail in the coffin for many businesses. It would be inevitable, uh, putting renewed pressure on consumer prices, warned the British retail consortium um, and leading retailers including Marks and Spencers, Tesco and Ikea also called on the government to eliminate the inflation linked increase from the October autumn budget. Now we've got that coming in from the UK uh, do we have the same announcements all the time from the from Spain and the business rates? <laughs> Nothing comes down but the rain, which, as you say, is now approaching your house. And looking at it, it's coming to mind very soon. Um, I'm, not, I'm out of touch with what the local, what's happened with the local rates. I know uh, where, where you used to live was Lano Theatre, wasn't it? Yeah. Your, your, your house rates doubled virtually overnight. Um, I know there's a friend of mine who's got a smaller house than I've got, and he's paying a hell of a lot more than I'm paying in, in Alphonse Del P. Our rates, our house rates, haven't gone up, I don't know, 20 years. Um, so they're, they're due to go up. They keep threatening to put them up, and it doesn't happen. So long may that rain, but it's it's going to happen at some point. When with business rates, you're on a different thing. It's you've got to be. They can vote any town hall can charge what they want. It's the town halls that do it, not not so much the governments. Um, they 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 collect the local uh, their their local rates on on the businesses. Um, but it's, uh, like I said before, nothing comes down, Vince. Everything just keeps going up. Okay, Terry, let's look at um, cars next. It's Europe calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Okay, so Toyota overtakes Kia. Car sales rose this year, but the third 
uh, but by the third quarter was still 15.8% below those of pre-pandemic 2019. Industry analysts predict sales of 900,000 vehicles by the end of 2023 when, for the fourth consecutive year, they will fail to top a million. Spain would normally expect annual sales of between 1.2 and 1.3 million vehicles, although the last time this figure was reached was in 2019 with the purchase of one and a quarter million cars and off-roaders. Meanwhile, sales to private buyers so far this year have topped sales to companies or hire and leasing firms with Toyota overtaking Kia as the most popular make. Now, uh, interestingly enough, I have been sort of weighing up uh, whether to change uh, my vehicle at the moment and uh, noticed a couple of um, very, very interesting things for example looking at the price of the electric car which I wouldn't buy in a month of Sundays but um, there's about I don't know on a 40 thousand pound uh, vehicle they're offering about a five and a half thousand pound discount at the moment which does tend to make you feel that they're not selling as well as possibly they would like them to plus the other thing I want to ask you about Terry is if you try to buy a second-hand vehicle, they have two prices on the cars in Spain. Some of them in some car sales rooms don't really show you this. And say, for example, you've, you're shown the reduction, say, down to, uh, some, say, from 15,000 to 13,000. Um, if you go in and say you want to just pay the, the debt off, completely pay for it, they immediately go back to the fifteen thousand and sell right. you uh, the um, you know the, the HP. Uh, now, yeah. uh, is there any way round that for those people that maybe? No, no. Well, that's <laughs> no. what I've. That's they, what I've. They, they dig their heels in. It's absolutely ludicrous. You would naturally think, if anyone said to me, um, "I'd get an agreement. I'm going to build you a, a house extension. It's going to cost you fifty thousand euros, and if we pay all up front, can we get a discount?" Uh, the short answer is yes. Of course it is. Try that with a car. Not a chance. The reason being, Vince, they need you to go through a, a credit company. Because if you don't, buy it, don't pay it up, then you, you're buying it on a credit, through a credit company where they charge hefty uh, insurance, uh, insurance, uh, interests. Uh, and they get a whack off the interest. And because they get a whack off the interest, that can give you a discount to entice you to take the discount and go ahead with the the credit option on buying the vehicle rather than paying for it all up front in which case you pay the full whack so um it's a crazy situation um completely bonkers to me and me but that's the way it is that's the instructions they've got by the uh, the credit companies that you must sell these cars using our credit services and we will give you a nice lump of that um you know, they'll, they'll get them, they'll probably get off your 40 grand car. They'll probably give them five grand back straight away. But then they're going to give you three grand back on your discount. They'll pocket 2,000 themselves. Then they'll be getting, uh, I'm just picking out numbers here, obviously. But yeah. And then they'll get a percentage of every payment that uh, that you make on the car. Um, you know, they'll get, they'll get a amount every money on that. So they're earning off the sale of that car every day. Um, you would think. Uh, by going in there and say, here we go, I'll buy the car, here's my checkbook, let me write out a check. But they'll be very happy. No, they're not. They, don't, they do not want that at all. So um, 
Yeah, it's very strange when you just. Especially the British people who never come across that. I've never. You go I've and never thinking, come... I'm king of the castle. I'm going to buy this. Uh, I'm going to tell them I'm going to pay everything up front, but I want to get a, negotiate a good discount. It's not going to happen. Well, I really honestly was questioning the integrity of this guy. And I've just been in the company of a Canadian businessman. And when we were discussing this, he didn't think I had got the story right. And I said, well, I think I have. So I went out to sort of check it out again today. And obviously, exactly what we're talking about is the situation. So for those who maybe are thinking of buying a car, um, I hope that we've given you a little bit of an insight as to what's going on in Spain. Um, I'll, go, <laughs> yeah, I'll go with the next one, Terry. Here it comes. Okay. Okay, so now the next bit is Abu Dhabi rescued the former owners of Daily Telegraph, the Barclay family. Uh, they launched a one billion pound, which is one point nine five billion euros. Uh, it's a bid to scupper rivals' hopes of snapping up the broadsheets, according to Sky News. Abu Dhabi investors will assist the Barclays in lodging a decisive offer that should write off their debt to the Lloyd's Banking Group. This, the family hopes, will prevent potential bidders, said to include hedge fund billionaire Sir Paul Marshall, German media giant Axel. Springer and Daily Mail owner Lord Rothermere from acquiring the Daily Telegraph, Sunday Telegraph and Spectator when they're auctioned off for an estimated £600 million, £692 million. Euros. Um, I mean, when you're looking at this type of business and seeing that somebody is talking about, you know, Abu Dhabi coming in with all the money, I mean, these... Um, what, 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 I'll just say Arabs. Uh, we've got the football. We're, we've got them dabbling in the ladies' football now. We've got them in practically all sports. Um, is there no end to this money that they've got? It would appear not, wouldn't it? Well, no. <laughs> they literally print it, Vince. That's why they bought the professional golf circuit. That's why they're buying top footballers and paying them ridiculous amounts of money a week to go and kick a, a leather ball around because they can. They literally can. And they are literally printing their own money because they control it. But basically, money's built on, on, it's built on gold. It's built on oil. And they control the oil taps. And if they close, they restrict the oil taps a little bit so oil's a little bit more difficult to, to, to get, then the price goes up. Because they, they, the laws, any law of business is the law of supply and demand. Obviously. And they control the supply end of it. Um, so therefore, they control the. <laughs> they get that they can have as much profit out of that as they want. One thing that does uh, surprise me is that Canada, I would think, are sitting on quite a few uh, pounds worth of oil reserves, and yet they don't seem to ever play a card. They don't seem to ever come into this, so that you know. Obviously, people like myself are only looking at the the fact that this is another, um, well, should we say, an Arab rescue scheme. Um, but uh, why don't the Canadians play a show a hand? I don't know. Canada's a strange country, isn't it? It really is. Um, I love Canada. I must admit, I've been there a few times, and I could. There's one country in the world I could I could put up sticks and move to. It would be Canada. If they could just turn the heating up just a little bit, the winter's a little bit too long and cold for me. Yeah. 
Um, but th they are a curious nation. Um, it's a big country, a massive country. Um, but they are a very curious nation, uh, how, they, how they do things over there. And th they are completely, I mean, they're just, for instance, you've just had the, the there's been an election in Australia regarding giving Aboriginal people um, more of a say in, in, in government matters, which was thrown out by the electorate. Um, that doesn't exist in Canada. In Canada, it's written into their constitution that, that the Aboriginal, which is Indians, are, have full right, have complete more rights than most people, to be honest with you. They have co complete um, um, help and aid and security in Canada. Um, but that, so they they run their, their Canada is run very very differently. It's very very difficult when you consider it's running two languages. It, it's running the, the the French on the east coast and um, the west coast all English speaking. It's, so it, it's, very, it's a very strange country uh, to, to pick out there. Well, I, uh, with having uh, Canadian relatives and them telling me so much about how much they sort of see the change, especially the Chinese type of person coming into their country, um, I did do a bit of research the other week and found out that it wasn't through Britain that um, we started getting all this multicultural philosophy. It was actually through Canada. Now, I didn't know this, but apparently uh, Trudeau was the guy that uh, was the driving force behind the philosophy uh, well before Maggie Thatcher and uh, Ronald Reagan got their hands on it. So, Oh, of... most definitely. It, it's, it's the, 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 I've been in Western Canada quite a bit and I got, got talking to... I'm lucky to have dinner with a few influential people there. Uh, they were explaining to me um, just how far the Canadian government goes um, for the Aboriginal people. And I know when you say Aboriginal, people think Aboriginal, we always think Australia. But Aboriginal is a term for any any native of that country. Um, I mean, I'm from Birmingham, so obviously I'm an Aboriginal. <laughs> the French never got that far. Well, my, um, my Canadian family, they, they always come up with Indigenous which I suppose is probably more accurate. Um, yeah, it, but, is, it is. That's that's the word we recognise more. Yeah. But the, the, you'll find it used in, in, in Canada, they'll use the word Aboriginal um, freely, which, which threw me at first, because we're not just talking Indians, we're also talking Eskimos. Yeah. You know, you've, when you say Aboriginal, think of a guy with a didgeridoo. Yeah. Hey, listen, a, I've a played bit of wood, uh, a kangaroo. I played one down there, so yeah, you know, it's interesting. But um, I've got a bit more stuff I want to try and get through before we finish. So I'm going to move on, and when looking next, uh, we'll go to um, a bit of golf. Okay, so sports and entertainment, multinational, top golf. Uh, will open eight new centres in Spain and Portugal. The US company's 250 million investment, uh, euros that is, will it also create 3,800 new jobs. Sources close to the initial uh, the initiative told the Spanish media. After almost two years of negotiations, Topgolf has signed an agreement with BAJ Gold Development Iberia, headed uh, Pablo Juentegui, probably said that wrong, former president of Telepizza, who will develop the franchise chain in both countries. 
private equity fund Manor Capital Partners, led by Ulysses Bridgman and Kevin Atkinson, will also participate in the company. Not names that I understand, but I do understand the value of uh, you know owning a good um, golf course here in Spain. And so I'm sure you feel the same. I do. Um, and golf courses here. I, I was um, contracted by um, cha- uh, a chain of um, golf shops, a UK chain, chain of golf shops, to uh, to look at the feasibility of building a, a chain of golf shops here in Spain, and and I, I did a, a study on it, and I think and I'm going well, I'm going back quite a bit now. I'm probably going back 20, 20 odd years ago. Um, and having done the study, I think at the time there was something like a hundred golf courses in Spain. In brackets, 192 if you include those in construction, but basically a hundred golf courses that were up and working. Whereas I think in Britain at the time there was something like 3,800. Um, so you can see the discrepancy in the numbers there. Here in Spain, uh, golf was played by the doctors and the architects. That's why I can never find them. They're always on the bloody golf course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not the plumber and the carpenter, as is, as happens in the UK. It's it's a sport for everybody in the UK. Um, mainly because it's when you, when you see the green fees you have to pay now, and I think you're talking typically 65, 70 euros to pay for a round of golf. So you need to be have a few bob in your pocket before you hit a little white ball. Um but the, the, we, the conclusion I had with them, it wasn't worth me getting involved with them to build in shops because there, there, wasn't, there wasn't the market for it. Um, since then, there has been a massive boost in, 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 in golf courses. When I, I live just outside Benidorm. Benidorm never had a golf course. It has one now. Yeah. But, but it never had a golf course. For the, you know, for, for the last 15 years, I think they've had a golf course, maybe the, the most. For all the 48 years I've been here, the 30-odd years prior to that I've been here, they never had a golf course. And for me to get around the golf 18 holes, I had to go initially either up to Valencia um, and play either El Bosque or, uh, or the, uh, the one on the sea there, the, the, the links course, or down to um, Torrevieja at Villa Martin. Right. They were the only two. Hour and a half's journey either way from Benidorm. So where was the... the, the the stupid mayors of Benidorm, because they never played golf, have missed out on a massive investment that they would have had if they'd only built golf courses in the first place because the people would have come to Benidorm rather going to Valencia. Yeah. Um, we actually do have a golf course in Benidorm, which isn't really frequented by that much at all. But there's around Torrevieja, there must be another dozen or 20 courses popped up around there. Well, I must admit, you see, I, I've got a friend who has a one of the smaller courses in a place called Pay Porter up there. So, of course, you know, it's nice to see them develop and it's nice to see the way that they're running it. Um, however, um, I've not got a lot of time left, so uh, or we haven't. So I want to try and get a little bit of French news in next because uh, a couple of things that I've spotted. <laughs> OK, so it's two bits. Now, this one I didn't see on any news bulletin. Uh, chaos has ensued across France today. This was Wednesday 
October the 18th. Uh, so we're only talking about yesterday, actually. Uh, six airports received terror threats, leading authorities with no option but to order an evacuation. Uh, a series of French airports, including Lille, Lyon, Nantes, Nice, Toulouse and Beauvais near Paris, faced emergency evacuations and this swift action was in response to alarming threats of attack communicated via email as confirmed by a police insider to Agence France Press. Uh, so um, I wondered why we didn't get to hear about that. I thought that was something that we'd expect to have seen in the news. Did you get uh, anything of that? No, I, I didn't at all. The only thing I did pick up, sidetracking a little bit, but it's French, is that the French have started stopping the Spanish lorries and tipping the tomatoes out again. Uh, well, you know, when it's custom for the for the French police to stand by with their hands in the pocket, smoking their gitan and watching it happen. Well, it's funny you say that because I've picked up a story on just a couple of hours ago. Uh, protesters stopped several trucks importing wines from Spain at the Baloo Tollbooth near the southern border between France and Spain. This was this morning. They destroyed several yeah. wine shipments by smashing the bottles and pouring the wine onto the road. The furious winemakers also piled up several crates of tomatoes, that's the one that you saw, uh, yeah. and, and tyres to set them on fire. The protest is part of the economic war against economic criminals who abuse ruined wine wine grown sorry wine growers according to Frederic Rouenet the president of a local syndicate of winemakers we're going to take away the possibility of being able to import foreign wines he added um okay so i think that's something that could be a little bit uh, worrisome because obviously um once you tomatoes you half expect um, but the wine, I think, might be a little bit more, little, little bit more worrying for us. I think. Can I just say, hooray for the European Union? <laughs> it doesn't work, people, does it? It doesn't work. Yeah. That's a clear example of why Brexit had to happen. It doesn't work. Uh, how can you possibly have that happen? They closed the A7 motorway, which is the main motorway system, basically, where he runs from Portugal up to Calais, if you like. That's the, 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 the southern route of getting out of Spain is down that motorway. And they had to close because of what the French were doing with these lorries. Uh, meanwhile, the police stand by with the fags, the gitan in the gobs and hands in their pockets and having a good chat. It's disgusting, Vince. Don't tell me that the European Union works. It clearly doesn't. It only works for some. Yeah. It doesn't work for us. Yeah, I'm afraid uh, I've got one last story, which again, uh, OK, well, we'll go to this one. Um, let's see. I've got this one here. Three's company, a Vodafone and Three, insisted that their proposed £15 billion, uh, pounds, uh, this is £17.3 billion, euros merger would not increase prices although it would reduce the number of their competitors now the union unite has told mps on the business and trade committee that merging both companies would be bad for consumers although three's legal team maintained there were no merger related price rises in the firm's combined business plan the deal must first be approved by regulators but should it go ahead the two companies would create the UK's largest mobile network with approximately 
27 million customers. Um, I don't know if you picked that one up. I hadn't seen it till very recently. Yeah, um, yeah but that's, this is, you know, this is a sad thing. Where do we all go shopping? We all go to the usual shopping complex, you know, yeah. the indoor shopping complex where everything's under one roof. Um, I'm just watching a program on the TV this afternoon. It was you know, about homes in the country, etc. And you've seen all these in the UK, all these lovely villages, all these lovely individual shops, craft shops and butchers and greengrocers, as it used to be when I was a kid. But they're, 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 they're still there because where they, we're looking at in the UK, this particular place, there was no local hypermarket. But hypermarkets are killing the, um, the, small, the small businessman. And certainly in, in Alicante, it's, it's a hell of a hell of a bashing and i can only imagine in, in in all other areas that have got a hypermarket around them or some sort of commercial center that uh, small businesses go down the tubes and what happens then in short term when the when the small business go down the tubes there's no competition so at the moment these people might have some keen prices for us at the local hypermarket and commercial center but as soon as they've got the upper hand which won't be long when the small businesses disappear they'll charge you what they want it's called a cartel and that's the danger we've we're referring to the, the the telefonica the telephone companies in the uk joining together uh big is not good we, we need competition they need to keep the they need to stop that to keep the competition going otherwise yeah. you, you you like it or lump it you sign up with us and pay what we want or you you haven't got a mobile phone it won't work or we, we're going to be the only company and those, Here, no, and those of a suspicious nature, um, maybe think on that. Uh, you know, the more and more uh, they merge companies, and we end up with the fewer companies, it's going to be that much easier to just cut everybody and say, right, okay, we're going to stop everything now. Um, Terry, yeah. uh, we nearly uh, we were running low on petrol the other day, and uh, I said yeah. to Anne, I said, Anne, please don't don't run the car when it's low on petrol. Go and get your petrol straight away. Uh, we had the usual tete-a-tete, as we do, um, Venus and Mars, etc. Um, and I showed Anne that if you run out of petrol here in Spain, your fine can be anything up to €200. Euros. And also, if you then uh, are found carrying petrol and they, uh, the police stop you and they decide that your can or whatever it might be is not specifically uh, built for the purpose of doing that and maybe yeah. it creates a danger. Uh, 3,000 euros is what they can charge. And I don't think that many people particularly know that uh, part of the law either, do they? Well, it's, it's, listen, I've seen a big cans of, huge cans of petrol on the moped, you know, carrying a, a, a 25 litre can on a bloody moped, for God's sake. So uh, um, it's so dangerous. I mean... <laughs> If you don't need to describe it, but it really is dangerous. But you shouldn't ever, never. I had a curious thing yesterday. I filled up in, I was down in Tarabieca, I filled up this gas station. There was a young lad who worked in the pumps. And he, he come rushing because I wanted to fly into, into, the, into the, 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 the service centre. I was going to get a couple of things in it as well before I paid for the petrol, well, diesel. And the lad come running in and said to, said to the bus, he's, he's had 85 litres. <laughs> and the bus said, yeah. He said, it's impossible. Well, it must be wrong. He's about pumped in 85 litres into his car. I said, he's not wrong because I'm the one who's got to pay for it. <laughs> I feel that. T- I never do anything but fill the tank bin. So I never, it's not worth it. Um, <laughs> and, and, and all the lads with the, we've got our vehicles, they're instructed not to let them run less than a quarter full. Because yeah. you've only got to draw up a bit of sludge and you've got a serious problem with your car. 
Mm. So uh, keep it a quarter full minimum. Okay, Terry, well, believe it or not, another week has gone by. Another. And uh, once again, very big thank you for your company and look forward to next week. Igualmente, señor. Hablamos más la semana que viene. Sí, muchísimas gracias. Gracias.